Hello, I'm Bentley. And I'm Truman. And this is the Re-View Podcast. So, when we started this, <laughs> I actually thought that we would do movies from all the different decades. We would hit the classic stuff. I really didn't expect that we would do so many 80s movies. It's kind of nice, you know, <laughs> but... I, it's your I, wheelhouse. It's my wheelhouse, but I was really not expecting to just be this, you know, rumination on how great movies of my generation were. And yet, I'm just sitting, watching the pop culture go by, and I keep seeing references to Ferris Bueller. I mean, it's like in TV commercials. It's in YouTube videos. Boom, boom. <laughs> why is this movie so popular? Because we all wish we were him, right? I guess so. I mean, it's what... Well, you are every, him. It's what every kid wishes they could do for a day in high school or in college. And you know? when did people start calling you Ferris? I had that nickname for one year in middle school and that was it. Oh, I thought people have sort of carried that forward. No, no. <laughs> Although I, they just know I'm a big fan of the movie. All right. What do you like about the movie? Gosh, I like how he realizes it's important to not care sometimes. And I like how he realizes it's important to be able to relax intentionally. You know. And be able to, to goof off intentionally, right? Like he knows. Right. It's important to push his friends to do things they wouldn't normally, to push people outside their comfort zone. Yep. And also he knows it's important to be able to just say, you know, forget it for a day and forget the rat race and just go on an adventure. Which I was telling your peers last night at the party. Yes. <laughs> We're recording this on grounds at UVA. Yeah. And, the uh, University of Virginia. The University of Virginia. And Truman was nice enough to uh, bring me along to a summer house party. And some of your buds were actually coming up to me looking for advice. And I was like, look, you know what? You got your whole life to be responsible, to have work, to do good things and important things and have a family. Uh, and it is amazing how Ferris Bueller really does speak to my generation because as I was talking with your buds last night, you know, I was realizing I, I went to college at a time when we really were focused on work stuff. I and mean, we didn't have parties like you had right. last night, right? I mean, certain people did, but broadly, you know, we were there. We were good kids, capital G, capital K, um, and we were just moving towards the next thing. I mean, you know, the people you know, my friends, they created Model Congress, you know, so that we could practice government. <laughs> That's hey, what we important. did. It's which important. is important. But it's we didn't important. do anything like Ferris. And so Ferris does have a great message. And it's taken me a couple of decades to absorb it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, whatever pace you do, just go and watch Ferris Bueller tomorrow and be like, okay. <laughs> you know, um... But it's not, it's not like Ferris forgets throughout the movie what he does want to do with his life, mm -hmm. especially towards the end of the movie, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I, I guess we're just going to hop around. Yeah. Thanks for having me back on the pod, first of all. You know, I, I'm not a regular at this, so we're just going to kind of jump from topic to topic. But we knew, Samuel and I, that you had to be the one on right. the Ferris Bueller podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I was quoting Ferris Bueller earlier this semester, but what I was saying is like, these kids coming up to you looking for advice, they still have, you know, hopes and dreams and they still want to do all that serious stuff. Yep. Well, they're but all they good want kids. to be they're able to engage kids. and relax and have fun along the way. And you see that with Ferris. Mm -hmm. While he does like do some ridiculous stuff, 
you know, he does talk with his girlfriend at the time, Sloane, about his future, right? Yeah. And their future together, you know? Yeah. So he still has a grander vision and a purpose, you know? It's not like you're reading Catcher in the Rye, and in Catcher in the Rye, right. the protagonist who just wants to screw off and do nothing, like screw around and do nothing, he doesn't have really a path or a vision or, or a lot of direction where Ferris still has goals and dreams and uh, a passion to pursue something. And we get that sense, even though he is wandering in Chicago playing hooky one day. And he's helping his friend. Yeah. Right? Um, so he antagonizes certain people, like his sister. <laughs> but he does have his friends and he does have uh, that vision. So you're right. Catcher in the Rye. Uh, it's been a while since I've read it, but I remember at the end, you know, he, he Holden just doesn't really have a sense of what to do, right? Yeah. He's so anti, 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 anti. The the end of the book, it's almost nihilism where he's just like... Almost know, it is. I he, mean, it he, is. He doesn't it know is. what to do. It is. And I think that's valuable, but Ferris Bueller, I think, takes kind of some ideas from Catcher in the Rye in some ways and makes it more developed and more processed and... Maybe a little bit more directional and intentional. It also helps that it's just one day. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. The whole movie takes place in one day, and it's pretty easy to imagine a daydream that we could all just do that for one day. Right? Right. You know what? And that's, I think, what you have to learn at some point, whether you're 20, 30, 40 years old. Right. You know what? It's actually kind of healthy right. to take a day off. Absolutely. On so, a Wednesday, yeah. or you blow off a Thursday or something. I mean, you get to do that in the grown-up world of work. But I'll tell you, I still have some trouble, right? I save my vacation days. I'm literally here with you, not just because it's close to Father's Day and your birthday. I had to blow off vacation days because I don't take them enough. I, right. should, I still have to learn and practice the lessons of Ferris. Right. And, and to prove my chops on the Ferris Bueller podcast, my dad can back this up. I did call him actually earlier in this semester because we had like a 75-degree – you know, two white, beautiful clouds in the sky with a dark blue background for the rest of the time. You know, like it was a, just a perfect day on grounds here at UVA. And I called him and I quoted Ferris Bueller from when he rips back the curtains and says, how can I be expected to go to school <laughs> on a day like today? That's right. And you know what? I didn't go to school that day. I awesome. hung out and I ran around the lawn, our yeah. down, you know, our, yeah. our central space yeah. at yeah. UVA yeah. and... We went on adventures, like I went and got ice cream and we went out to like a nice overlook that's like 20 minutes outside of town. You know, we watched the sunset from a parking garage. You know, you just, sometimes you just have to take a day for yourself. Self-care is important. Sounds like Ferris. Here on the Review Podcast, we're all about self-care. It's the self-care episode while talking about Ferris Bueller. No, no, no. Um, I mean, so I forget where this saying first popped into my head, but it's a long-term saying, you know. That on your last day on earth, nobody, not a single person says, wow, I should have worked more. Right? Yeah. Like, I wish I had had more days at work. Yeah. <laughs> nobody says that. Absolutely. So you got to balance it all out. Um, right. But, you know, when Ferris comes out, you know, I see it in the theater, you know, it's not pitched as high art. Right? I mean, you, if you look on IMDb, you know, it doesn't win any awards. It is absolutely just an entertainment, lowbrow, it's funny but what's great, and, and the reason why things enter into the canon over time is, as you look back, right, you learn more about yourself, about life. And I also think it's fun to go back and look at actors. Yeah. Right? 
uh, at the beginning, and, and the more those actors do interesting, good work, the more their early stuff rises. So you look in Ferris, there's all kinds of interesting people in there, right? Oh, Even yeah. right down to Ben Stein, the famous econ uh, professor, right, that everybody quotes now. Bueller, Bueller. I've had professors like that. <laughs> they, they exist. Well, so he really was an economist. And uh, apparently uh, Hughes, the director of the movie, uh, just has him give an economics lecture. What he films after he does the attendance, the attendance was the only thing scripted. He just has Ben Stein give a lecture. Right. <laughs> so it literally is a slice of life. And of course, Ben Stein goes on to do uh, When Ben Stein's Money, was a popular game show in the 90s. And then he turns into like this serious uh, political commentator, right? I mean, he's on cable TV. Hmm talking about uh, economics and public policy and all that sort of thing. Right. So he's an interesting guy. Right. Uh, and, of course, Broderick has gone on to do The Producers and all kinds of uh, famous stuff. But he was just a kid. Yeah. He was just a kid. So when, when you see a kid of the 80s, I, I'm still fascinated by how much this resonates with you since it was so clearly pitched at me. I was a freshman in college when it came out. Right. But it's it's you don't see it as trapped in the eighties. You see it not as a all. more universal story. Not at all. Yeah, I don't think it's trapped in the eighties at all. I mean, some of the references are great. Like some of those references are specific to like the seventies and eighties. Mm -hmm. But my generation still gets that. You mm -hmm. know, it's not like we've forgotten the culture of the seventies and eighties. In fact, I think it's somewhat prevalent. You know, I think a lot of people think back on it. Um, you know, I ask some of my friends what their favorite genres of music are, and they just say 80s. So, you know, um, I think some of the, you know, like when they take the car, when the two uh, car garage guys take the take the convertible out, yep. and yeah. they jump, they go off the jump to the Star Wars scene, <laughs> right. you know, like, right, right. like some of that stuff is still totally applicable today. Sure. You know, you could show that, not even me as a 20-year-old, almost 21, but as a 20-year-old, you could show that to a 10-year-old, and that 10-year-old would still think it's funny. Would still like it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's, you know, if this was a movie made in the 40s about mm. the same idea, I don't think it probably would have been as mm. applicable or as, as revered yeah. or as appreciated or identified with. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. because we have so much that we can still identify with, they have cell phones in it, they, you know, it's, they have helicopter parents in it, you know, like they have, they have oblivious <laughs> adult Su superior figures in it right right you right. know they have <laughs> there's just a little bit of everything that's still relevant today and kids can still identify with and engage yeah. with yeah you know even right down to them taking the car off the jump you know or trying to do something as silly as drive the car in reverse to lower the speedometer you know like there's right. there's stuff with the technology mm -hmm. in that movie that i think a lot of us can still identify with and go Partly identify with it and also partly go like, haha, look at the 80s. You <laughs> right, know? Right, so right. I, I think it's a win-win with the, with the time frame in which it was released and shot and the references it makes, you know, because there's still a lot of overlap there. Yeah. A lot of stuff that I can still see and identify and, and click with. I um, liked Ferris when it came out, uh, but it was very, you know, it was very silly uh, on, on your first view. It was like watching Animal House for an earlier generation. Uh, or Caddyshack, any of those movies, right? I mean, it's clearly funny. Um, and when I started to see your generation reference it, I had sort of the same feeling as when, you know, you guys started singing Journey, Don't Stop Believing. I'm like, really? Right. What? Well, well I will tell you that <laughs> earlier this year, there was a Facebook event, and it actually happened. About uh, over 100 students got onto the steps of the rotunda 
our main building yeah. here on grounds and sang in the entirety of Africa by Toto. <laughs> like that's See, that's a thing I, that happened like, here at UVA. And you guys are smart in, people. In 28 to prove it. <laughs> so I never would have predicted that. It's right. hilarious. But and you keep you keep saying that like, oh, it's a comedy film, oh, it's certainly funny, oh, it's not high art, but I don't think it needs to be to be in the canon, right? No, like, no, no, it doesn't. It, you know, it doesn't not. need to be critically acclaimed for no. people to identify with it. Nope, nope. And, uh, but I think the more we look at it and the more it speaks to other generations, the deeper it starts to get. Right, absolutely. absolutely. Um, and I think the first time I noticed you really paying attention to it was uh, there was that follow-up commercial. Remember? I mean, he did like... What was that? Broderick does a voiceover. There was some kind of, was it a Super Bowl commercial or something a couple years ago? I'm not sure. I, I mean, probably to get that crew back together would have to be a Super Bowl commercial. I could Google it real quick with my Yeah, yeah. go device. ahead and look at that. Uh, there was something um, a few years ago where they were, they were clearly building off of the attention that it still gets, and they were sort of extending it. What was it? It was Broderick was doing... Um, you know, the voiceover about, you know, you've got to take days like this. Man, what was that? You know, I'm not sure, but while I look it up, and while we're on the topic of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I would like to give a shout-out to one of my high school teachers, um, Mr. Craig Wartman, my, also my cross-country coach, but he taught me AP Human Geography, and as a fun assignment where we included geography and some math, and made education exciting and engaging. <laughs> fun. Fun, which education is all the time, but especially <laughs> on that day, um, Mr. Warman had us, this is after AP exams, don't worry parents, we were studying still, we did well. Um, but after AP exams, we watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and nice. then you know, over several days we had a project of, okay, this is everything they do in the movie, map it out, is it possible? Oh, that's So cool. we actually had to look at everything they did yeah. in the movie, every place they went in Chicago, because yeah. these are all famous places in oh, Chicago, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Everything they do is, you know, a bucket list day in Chicago. Yes. Um, so we had to, like, plot it out and kind of see if it was possible for them to do it. And was it? Yes, it was possible if they took, like, five minutes at most of the places. <laughs> right? So the transition time – I mean, once they get into the city, it's easier – the, the worry is the traffic getting in and out of the city. So, you know, yeah. when Ferris is racing back to get to his house on time, right. sprinting through his nice little suburban neighborhood, like, yeah. you know, that's probably at, like, 9 p.m. <laughs> you know, like, the sun, it has to have been on, like, yeah. you know, towards the end, you know, it has to be very long summer hours for that to still be in daylight. Yeah, I you gotta know, his, say. His parents aren't coming home at 5 yes. if he's making that in time. That's true, that's um, true. So Ferris Bueller comes out in 86, and in the summer of 89, I had an internship at the Chicago Tribune. And I can tell you, it was some of the worst traffic I've ever been in. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get in and out of the city uh, at rush hour. So. Oh, this, so this is what it was. Domino's Pizza reenacted a few oh of the scenes, Lord. the closing sequence yeah. of the chase okay. to get home on time. Yeah. Domino's Pizza last year in 2017 did a series of ads. Oh, that's not the one I'm thinking with of. The, the, with the race to get to the pizza. And it has Cameron as the delivery guy. <laughs> Cameron, by the way, who that actor shows up in Speed, right? Like five, six years later, he's uh, a nerdy passenger 
on the bus uh, as Keanu tries to uh, keep it moving at 50 miles an hour. So that's a good role. Miracle they don't run out of gas on that film. <laughs> um, right. But no, there was something else. But, you know, it just keeps getting referenced all the time. Fer- yeah. Ferris pops up in commercials and, and promos and hype videos all the time. And God bless him for that. I mean, <laughs> and I think the character of Cam- I mean, if we can stay on camera you know, for a sec. Cameron, like, yeah, yeah. Because Cameron's- as I'm watching the movie, you know, as uh, I must have been like 19 at that point, I was much more like Cameron. Right. I was Cameron. I, well, I think Cameron's a super interesting character. And, like, it's important to have that dichotomy. Yeah. So, you know, if this was a movie without Cameron and it was just a kid going to goof off, a kid and his girlfriend going to goof off in the city for a day, I don't think people care as much. I think you're right. Nearly as much. And I don't think Cameron gets the respect he deserves probably in the in the canon or meta, you know, that people don't talk about right. Cameron as much because obviously it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris yeah, Bueller's yeah. a super charismatic character. Yeah, yeah. You know, they do – Broderick does a great job with him. Mm-hmm. But without Cameron – I don't think that movie as is is as engaging as it is or as as meaningful it is to more people, right? Like it doesn't it doesn't catch a lot of the audience you, it does. You're right. So in the 80s, we were fed a steady diet of of stupid teenage sex comedies, okay? And usually, yes, it's just the kids against the authority figures, against the parents, right? right? So if you take Cameron out of this movie, that's what you get. You get Porky's. You get just a simple, stupid movie. And, you know, some were better than others. Most of them were very forgettable. And the reason why Ferris has lasted this long is really the best of that whole genre, a whole decade's worth of movies. I think you're right. It's probably because of Cameron, to a large degree, because you can see him struggling. He's a kid... He's hanging with the cool kid, but he's still trying to do right, right? He's still struggling with what he should be doing. Right. He's, he's struggling with that you know, obedience to authority. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, and it's tough. And, and he's seen very much of my generation, and I understood him very well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to see his character arc from going, from laying in his bed, ignoring Ferris's calls, yeah. and saying he feels like he's going to die for no reason, you know, just right. being... In his room, angsty, angsty, and alone and sick, yeah. to being a huge source of comedy throughout the film. You know, yeah. like you can see flashes of Cameron's hilarity and genius with like some of the stuff he does. Mm-hmm. You know, and like while they're out on the town in Chicago, and then you know when he falls into the pool. Yep, that's it, right? Like that's. I don't think the moment is when he accepts that the car goes out the back window no, of his character that. change. It's, it's when that. he falls into the pool. Yeah, I agree. And he, you know, has that moment in the pool where he's just sitting there and he makes the other two freak out and then he pulls them out and you get Ferris Bueller, you're my hero. <laughs> you know, like that's Cameron's moment when yes. he flips and realizes to take things a little bit easier. Yeah. When he makes his other friends freak out and not take things as easy. Right when he makes Ferris and Sloane stress yes. and be serious for a second mm-hmm. and have responsibility for one mm-hmm. time during that day, yeah. he's able to relax. Yes. So and that makes it possible for him later mm-hmm. to look at that car crashed and crushed outside the window and go, "It's okay. I'm going to take it." Yeah. It's just know? a car. It's just a damn car. It wasn't even a uh, Ferrari, by the way. Uh, nope. They they uh, put like uh, a frame over I think an MG. Yep. 
And they auctioned, they auctioned it a couple years ago, and it sold for a ridiculous amount of money. Um, <laughs> well, that's how important the movie is in our culture. Absolutely. So if we're talking about fun facts about the movie, yeah, yeah, then go. we have to talk about the Chicago Parade. Okay. We have to talk go. about the parade scene. Yeah. Because My least favorite scene, but go. Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to ask why in a second, <laughs> but do you know that that scene is not staged? I think I did that. Know scene that scene is not staged. They just bought a float. In a parade, <laughs> and you awesome. went crazy on it. That's awesome. Like that's that's not staged. Those people, like the construction workers dancing and stuff. Yeah. Very little of that Chicago scene, except for like the African Americans dancing. You know, like the like the group of like black um, individuals that like dance down the subway steps. Well, they're clearly off to the side. You right, can right, tell right, that's filmed right. at a like different time. Like that's staged, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's like an awesome part and then like but the construction workers dancing everyone freaking out like that is natural that's completely candid that's cool like the bandstand freaking out and like wondering who was on that float and then like dancing <laughs> like that's all candid and they just set up cameras and said that's go. awesome that's really cool yeah well apparently a lot of the movie was was just kind of uh, cinema verite, right? I mean, it wasn't really right. scripted, like the, the economics lecture, you know. Yeah. Uh, Hughes had already done a couple of movies before he did this. He, he clearly knew what he was doing, and of course now he's known as being that 80s director of teenage comedies. And this might be his best, right? I mean, Sixteen Candles is up there, Pretty in Pink, uh, Breakfast Club, all this stuff, but yeah. Huh? He did both Breakfast Club and First Bruce Day. Uh-huh. How huh. about that? Yeah, Ferris Bueller's is best. <laughs> so why is that your least favorite scene, sir? Um, does it does it break a little bit too much of the believability of it? Yeah, it's really over the top. Oh, yeah, man. But it's that's, really over the top. But that's why it's so great. <laughs> we all want that, man. We all want to... We whether, all want to be in the parade. Right, whether, whether <laughs> like, you are a Cameron... Or you're a Ferris, yeah. or you're a Sloan, or you're Ferris's dad who's just, you know, going in the working world. Like, we all want to be at the head of that parade sometimes, right? Like, we all want to rock that float. So, like, we get away from it a little bit, you know? Um, like, we get yeah. a little away from the believability of everything. But. Well, they do keep it pretty short. I mean, it's very well done. It's right on the edge for me. I mean, it, I don't hate the scene. It's just my least favorite scene. Right. Because it takes us right up to the more cartoony edge of right. the movie. So, No, you know, I mean, I'm a guy who would have been perfectly happy going to a, the Cubs ball game in the middle of the day. Yeah. So here's another education-related, Ferris Bueller-related story. Okay. My uh, social studies teacher in middle school, Mr. Van uh, Dyke, he imitated... Ferris Bueller in some ways. Really? Or Ferris Bueller might have imitated him. I'm not... I'm, Maybe you Ferris know, grew I, up I won't, to be him. I won't date either one of them. I won't date my teacher. Okay. But my teacher used to sneak out of class and go to Cubs games during the day. This was before <laughs> Wrigley had lights. Yes. So it was all day games. Yes, that's correct. As was, I believe, when Ferris Bueller was shot, Wrigley still didn't have lights. That's correct. Wrigley so, did not get lights until the late 80s. Right. So it's yep. all day games. So he yep. goes to... He, he, he cut class, played hooky. Took a day off like Ferris yeah. and went to Cubs games and got away with it, Scott Clean, for a long time until he was on TV. And his mom saw him, <laughs> his mom saw him on TV, what? which almost happens in Ferris. That's day right off. out of the movie. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah. Except <laughs> he got hilarious. caught and Ferris didn't. So. What was his punishment? Did he ever tell you? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I don't. I couldn't <laughs> recall. 
Well, so that's probably another reason why Ferris Bueller remains popular is because teachers love it, right? The, the people right. of my generation who grew up with the movie are now your teachers, right? Right. So it's kind of this great inside-out thing, right? For a teacher to show you Ferris, which is, you know, on its surface, all anti-education, yeah. <laughs> anti-school attendance, right? That's a great nudge-nudge, wink-wink from the teacher of my generation to your generation. So, right? Yes. It's, it's kind of a little ironic. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah. I, you know, teachers are people too, man. <laughs> yeah, they Teacher, are. Teachers definitely, you know, teachers might want a day off more than students. They do. Sometimes. I can, I can you verify know? that. I Maybe they watch that. it and show it in class because they're thinking that they just want to get away from their <laughs> bratty kids. Yes. Yeah. And the kids turn around and go, hey, where'd the teacher go? <laughs> they're in a parade in Chicago. No, absolutely. Uh, teachers love a snow day just as much as you guys do. There's no doubt about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I think they probably enjoy it more. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, what else can we say? Anything else? Any other favorite scenes or lines? I do love – so back when Facebook got started, Facebook allowed you to have quotes. And I think that you can yeah. still see it on the profile somehow. Yes. But for since ever, since – I've never changed it, I think, since I put that quote up there. But the quote is um, Sloan asks Ferris, oh, Ferris, what are we going to do today? And Ferris goes – it's not about the, – or the question isn't what are we going to do. It's what aren't we going to do. God bless Ferris Bueller. And I think that's a good life lesson and life model to carry with you. <laughs> you know? Just try and, try and do a Just little bit of everything. You know? Let's try it. Get out there. Have an adventure. Take a day off. Well, the, you know, you actually already connected it. A few minutes ago, you talked about a Chicago bucket list. Well, when I was growing up, there was no such word. That phrase didn't exist. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, people would talk about, well, we went to do this cool thing or, you know, we had this cool trip. But the idea of a bucket list was not, you know, gathered in that phrase. So, yeah, Ferris is a bucket list movie. Yeah, absolutely. And now we have that concept. And what's fun is, you know, you can do these interesting things. Yeah. I'm never going to skydive, though. I should tell you that. I'm just not, <laughs> That's not going to happen. It's okay. Ferris doesn't skydive in movies, so. I know, but it's well, on guess, a lot of people's bucket list. Yeah. So I'm just not going to do that. Right. Well, should we touch on Ferris's battle with authority in it, like with the principal? I think the principal's a great character. I mean, he is. He's now, hilarious. Speaking of almost going to cartoony, when every, every time I watch Ferris, that principal devolves into like Wile E. Coyote. Yeah, man, it's awesome. <laughs> every single time I'm like, he just turns into a Bugs Bunny cartoon villain. Yes, he does. And that's what's so great. I mean, I think my favorite scene of the principal out of a lot of favorite moments of his is when he is trying to go um, like respond to something. Or I think it's, it might be getting Sloan out of class. But he's sprinting down the hall and every time he passes the doors to the classrooms, which have the little slit windows – that can see out to the hall, he's sprinting, then he stops and walks. Sprints again. <laughs> That's right. He sprints again, stops and walks right past the window. Sprints, stops and walks. You know, he sprint, sprinting yes. for 20 feet, walking for five. Because it's sprinting. all about the parents and the grown-ups and the image they present to you. Yes, exactly. Right? So then, you know, that's an early moment of Cameron showing his true colors or, or breaking out of his shell when he portrays the parent going off on the principal. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. And actually, that's a great touch point to say why this movie is better than Breakfast Club. Like, my generation just loves The Breakfast Club. I'm not so big on it. It has its moments. It's interesting. I like the idea, again, of sort of one afternoon, right? It's almost yeah. real time. 
But you look at the uh, authority figure in that one, and he's just a hard ass. He's not that interesting. Right. He, he says a couple of lines that you laugh at him. Right. But the principal in Ferris Bueller, much more nuanced character. Yes. He becomes a tragic comic figure. Yeah, and he has motivations. He has motivation. He's much more human. Yes. You know, you really sympathize with him by right. the end. Well, I think that's, and that's another part of what makes Ferris Bueller great, is each character is human. Yeah. Right? right. Each right. character is very humanized from the antagonists to the parents to Ferris to Sloane to Cameron. Well, to the, the parking secretary. garage guys. Parking garage secretary. guys and the secretary. Pulling you know. pencils out of her massive hair. <laughs> you know, like, come on. But We she, all know someone like that. Don't lie to yourselves. But she <laughs> is, you know, that is a totally stereotypical character, right? The, right. The, the assistant to the boss. But in this movie, she gets nice little touches, you know, like where she knows what's going on in the school. And she knows the student body and she knows Ferris. That's right. So she's listening. She knows things that she doesn't necessarily give to the principal right away. Right. right? <laughs> they say he's a totally righteous dude. <laughs> so she's a great It's character. there, man. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely, I, I will say when I watched it, you know, as a kid, it did seem like the world I recognized, right? Like, right. I mean, obviously it's a Hollywood movie, but like that school, that suburban school setting felt very much like my suburban public school. Right. Right, so I liked it very much at the time, and it's amazing to me that it has aged like fine wine, risen to the top, and is part of the canon. Yeah, absolutely it is. Okay. And I'm going to ensure it's part of the canon for my generation, too. God bless Ferris Bueller and Truman Brody Boyd. And Bentley Boyd, too. And this podcast, thanks and for listening. And this podcast. Thank you very much. I'm Bentley. And I'm Truman. And this has been the Review Podcast. Hey, I said it together this time. <laughs> <laughs>